0: This episode of Last Things First is brought to you by CISO's Stand Up Streaming Festival, featuring 90 comics in 12 weeks. CISO's Stand Up Streaming Festival is loaded with new stand up comedy, including exclusive specials from Jenna Friedman, Janine Garofalo, Nick Thune, and Joey Coco Diaz. A new special premieres every week, with more exclusive comedy dropping throughout the festival. To watch all this comedy and much more, go to ciso.com and start your one month free trial. It's only three ninety nine per month. After that, in addition to the stand up festival. CISO has original series including Bajillion Dollar Properties, Take My Wife, and Harmon Quest, plus an extensive library of British comedy, classic series, and late night, including every episode of Saturday Night Live, right up to current episodes, available the morning after they air. Again, go to CISO.com, that's S-E-E-S-O dot com, to start your one-month free trial and get exclusive access to CISO's stand-up streaming festival. (laughs) Dan Levy started comedy at the age of nine and was competing at the HBO U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen while still a college student at Emerson College. Levy has toured with Aziz Ansari, John Mulaney, and Whitney Cummings, and his 2012 album for Comedy Central, Congrats on Your Success, debuted at number one on iTunes. He co-starred on HBO's Enlightened and has hosted two shows in the past year, the stage show Baby Talk for Jash and the stand-up showcase show coming to the stage for Hulu. He's currently a writer for ABC's sitcom The Goldbergs, and his first-hour comedy special, Lion, premieres in November 2016 on CISO. So let's get to it! Dan Levy. Yes. Uh, I feel like it's been forever since we've been in the same place at the same time. It has been. You were just a babe in the woods. I was. I was just, I
1: was probably 18, 19 (laughs) in Boston. (laughs) It's crazy.
0: But you already were a comedian then, a full fledged going to comedy festivals
1: comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was nonstop in Boston. Like I was just performing. So much that first year and then I ended up doing the comedy festival,
0: the, my second year. In Aspen. In Aspen. Yeah.
1: When it was still a thing. It's not even a thing anymore.
0: No. That's how you know you're old if you, if you got into Aspen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've been doing comedy for 16 years now. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy.
0: Yeah. And so how is this just your first hour special then? lion on CISO.
1: Yes. Well, I had, I, you know, I did two, I did a Comedy Central half hour oh, yeah. and I did uh, the al- the album, which right. was like an hour, like in 2011. And then I've been, honestly, I've been busy like working in TV. I've been like writing on a lot of sitcoms and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I haven't been able to tour mm-hmm. like I was to really get ready for an hour, okay. you know, because I need to, you know, to prepare for these kind of things, you have to like hit the road. Like I had to do like... 10 weekends in a row and just like go back to brass tacks and just yeah. like crush it and be tired <laughs> <laughs> and just scream into a microphone every night um to really get prepared and i had didn't have a window until this year like every year and people like my managers and everyone would like make mm-hmm. fun of me because like there was two years in a row where i booked the special and then i had to cancel it like it was in boston one year and mm-hmm. may and then i was like i'm not ready to do it and then <laughs> And then a year ago, October 5th, I was supposed to film it, and I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. And then they were like, you have to do it. And then one of my friends was like, you just got to, like, just stop trying to, like, second guess it, just go and do it. So is, like, that what
0: is, is that because you were still a zebra?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I was still a zebra. I <laughs> Zebra's wasn't ready. not ready. Yeah. Lion is ready.
1: But what's funny is, like, you know, if I did the special two years ago, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be talking about, like, my kids, really, or right. any of that stuff. Because a lot of this stuff is so new. You know, like I was like really writing, I had like the idea, the structure of the special, you know, but it wasn't, honestly, the last like three weekends, I was in Austin and Spokane and I forget where else I was, but it was just like, it was, con- I was constantly rewriting it and changing it and then finding stuff. And
0: how do you, I feel like in this comedy boom, there's been such a rush to put out material. How do you go against that kind of, if not peer pressure, just kind of industry pressure to produce content? And instead say no i 'm not ready more more comedians would go the other way and put out the special, even if it wasn 't ready,
1: yeah, I just felt like i didn 't need to do it yet, like I want it to be good, you mm-hmm. know like i love I, I love comedy I love stand up like I feel like i'm i 've been a fan of stand up comedy since I was nine years old, <laughs> and i love I love specials, and I feel like i've just really wanted it to be good like I remember being I don't know how old I was, 15 when Bring the Pain came out. I remember Mm -hmm. like watching it at the edge of the couch in my parents like basement. I remember just being like completely like blown away by like what was happening in that special and not that my special is anyway, anywhere near as good as Bring the Pain, but I just remember like, I remember that feeling of watching that special Mm -hmm. and just wanting to like really be able to produce something like that, and uh, not, again, not that it will be that, but I feel like I just felt like it was, like, time, and it was also funny, as you've known me for so long, so, like, I started off doing comedy, it was only about, like, just being funny, that's, like, all I cared about, you know, it was just sort of, like, I was jumping up and down on stage, I was, like, fall to the ground three times, you know, I'd slam <laughs> the microphone against my head, I'd scream, you know, it was insane, and I was so young that I was just sort of being funny, I had nothing to actually say. As like an 18 year old at Emerson, you know, <laughs> like, well, I did jokes. I did a joke about signing on to AOL and, uh, drinking tequila. And I was like, huh, I gotta get a sitcom, you know? <laughs> so, so it's just sort of funny that I feel like it actually is taking me this long to actually like find a point of view and have actually something real to talk about. Cause I right. find myself connecting with audiences more than I ever have. And I never thought it was going to happen this way. You know, it's, it was, it was, it's just, it's
0: weird. Well, when you were nine, since, it goes all the way back to age nine. Yeah. What animal did you imagine you, you were then?
1: <laughs> I guess when I was nine years old, yeah. the animal I probably was was um, Skittles. <laughs> 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 I don't even know. I mean, a hamster. I had a hamster. So I was I was probably considering myself a hamster at that point. You didn't imagine yourself to be a, a different creature? No, not... May, maybe... A werewolf when I was nine, I was mm-hmm. still kind of in, in, that was kind of the creatures I was into, werewolf, zombies, that kind of thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I figure you had to be some kind of animal for your parents to get you involved in comedy at nine. Like you were, yeah, right? I was sort what of. Hap- what <laughs> happens in the house for the parents to go, okay, we're going to sign this this kid Dan up for, for comedy?
1: Well, I used to get in trouble a lot at like sleepover parties. Mm-hmm. Like I would sort of do a lot of prank calls mm-hmm. and break stuff. And I just wet the bed. <laughs>
0: that was my that was level thing. of hilarity.
1: <laughs> that is pretty funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a goof.
1: But I was always, like, causing problems mm-hmm. you know like a little bit of issues at the sleepover parties and people would call my mom and be like we think he has add you need to figure out something <laughs> to do and then i remember like being in fourth grade and being like super bummed and i didn't like my teacher and her name was miss cox and i wish now i knew that how funny that was at the time um but uh i didn't so i was just super bummed and my mom didn't know what to do because i wasn't into like any of like i wasn't into sports and I, for my birthday party, everyone like was telling me how great Genesis was, Sega mm-hmm. Genesis, and I was like peer pressure and just saying I wanted that. So everyone at my birthday party chipped in and got me Sega Genesis and I did not want that. So I was very <laughs> upset about that. So my mom realized. Did you, did you let people know? No, I just was like, yeah, yeah, I want to play Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. And then I got and I was like, fuck! I hate video games! What I lie! And my mom realized I needed some sort of other outlet because I wasn't right. doing video games, I wasn't playing sports, so I went and, uh, started doing improv. How did, how did, was that your choice or was that
0: her choice?
1: My mom read about it, it was like, I grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, and mm-hmm. it was this, little theater that was starting called curtain call and uh, my mom read about it like these two women just moved from la to connecticut to open up an improv theater and my mom was like "Ah, you could go there and it was like this at the time now it's like a you know an awesome theater company and everything but at the time it was like this a literally a hole in a wall at like underneath like an abandoned building <laughs> and we would go there and we would play like first
0: middle last and physical freestyle. it was the greatest time of my life <laughs> Did you just decide at nine after taking this improv class that comedy was the thing for you then
1: I didn't decide it just I feel like it always it was just it was just happening like there was never any other option besides comedy mm-hmm. like I just was obsessed with it I did it it was there was just it was just what i even when I went to Emerson, I remember like at the orientation I was like doing open mics and I was like ready to go.
0: Well, did you pick Emerson? Knowing its reputation as, a, like, a comedy incubator or show business?
1: No, because, honestly, I went to 99, and mm-hmm. there was, like, at that time, the most famous – I mean, they were famous, but like Jay Leno dropped out, mm-hmm. Dennis Leary was a big Emerson guy, and David Cross dropped out. And that was sort of the only, like th- – and Anthony Clark – what was also you right. know for, for, went to Emerson and Boston Com was based on the, on that but I didn't really know all that I knew Dennis Leary from like the books but I just kind of went to Emerson because it was the school I got into oh okay and I know like guidance counselors and they kind of said this was the the school for me so um, that's really why I went there now it's become now it's like a comedy major now right. it's become like yeah they have now, a now major in now comedy now it's like
0: $150,000 to go to clown school <laughs> 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 but you said you were already doing open mics at orientation had you been doing stand up in high school no, I
1: mean, I was doing a lot of like, uh, sketch comedy in high school, okay. and I grew up in Stanford, it's really close to the city. So we would do like, bringer shows, you know, like, our comedy troupe, and, and we would do all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I was sort of, I'd been in a comedy club, but I, I didn't, I was never like, just by myself doing stand-up. Who really. was letting
0: your high school sketch group? We were- Perform.
1: Gotham Comedy Club. Really? Um, don't Tell Mamas. <laughs> Okay, Carolines. you know, and for us it was like, oh man, we're making it, but we had no idea that we were just like completely getting scammed and making right. all our friends pay like hundreds of dollars to watch perform for ten minutes to, <laughs> to, to to watch us do a sketch about you know Jesus Christ superstar.
0: At any of these bringer shows, were were there other people on the bill that you now recognize as like, oh, they were <laughs> we did they a, were doing the same circuit we were, and now now we're both big. Uh,
1: there was. No, I can't, not really. Like, okay. I think like there was like a, sp- Colin Quinn mm-hmm. did like a special, like, you know, sometimes on bringer shows, right. they'll be like, they'll throw in like someone awesome and He's doing a guest Colin spot. Quinn did it when he was on Weekend Update and mm-hmm. it was like the coolest thing ever. And, uh, he doesn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned to him before and he doesn't really care.
0: <laughs> did you talk to him at the time?
1: Oh yeah. I remember like we talked to him, we took pictures, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was definitely a big deal. Okay. And then, um, and then once I got to Emerson, there was, um, Dick Dari's Comedy Vault, as you know, which which was which isn't there anymore, but it was, but right, it was right there on campus. Yeah, literally. it was right there on campus. So it went my dorm, which was a mm-hmm. little building, um, uh, of the library, and then Dick Dari's Comedy Vault. So every Sunday, I would just go to the open mic every Sunday, like no matter what, and then I'd put my name on the list, and if it was like a three-hour wait, I would just go back to my dorm, and uh, and I just was just nonstop. And then I, and then there was. Just so many other little rooms popping up. And when I got to Boston, Eugene Merman and Gary Goldman were like, they made like in my mind and they were like the biggest things in Boston at that time, you know, cause they were just all both come back from Aspen. So you would be able to do a show at Emerson. I'd like have Eugene come and perform and mm-hmm. it'd be like, everyone come out. And it'd be such a big deal. And then there was like Larry Lee Lewis had that really shitty room at the uh, Howard Johnson by <laughs> oh, Fenway yeah, Park, yeah, yeah, yeah. which you just go and the people would just like yell at you and it would be terrible. And, uh, and then I started a comedy room at Starbucks. I had a Starbucks comedy room, like, from, uh, we would get, we would basically get a bunch of free coffee to perform. Which
0: Starbucks was big enough for that? It wasn't
1: big. It was the very, very tiny one on Boylston and Tremont. Okay. And people would sit on the floor. <laughs> and then I tried it, then I, then I was like, at the time I was like, things are really happening, I'm gonna go talk to another Starbucks. And I talked mm. to another Starbucks across the street and they're like, yeah, come
0: and do a free show, we don't care. And then it was just horrible. And, I, and then, <laughs> then my Starbucks career ended. Were you, When you were in Emerson, were you making friends with your classmates or were you more making friends with fellow comedians? I was making friends with my classmates
1: because I was also, um, like, getting super involved in, like, a sketch comedy troupe, too. So, like, some of my best friends today are from that comedy troupe. Which troupe was – Jimmy's Traveling All-Stars. Okay. So, I was really, you know, I was very young. Like, you know, if I see an 18-year-old comedian today, like, I don't take them seriously. I don't want, you know, it's, it's hard to take them seriously. I mean, I respect what they're doing, but right. I also, you know, I'm I'm an adult male. Like, there's not much to talk about, you know. So, what I was doing is, I'd go there, I'd wear a ridiculous outfit. I was probably, a lot of times, I was performing in a blue velvet Tommy Hilfiger blazer. Um, sometimes I was performing in a full teal Adidas jumpsuits. You know, I had lots of, wardrobe was sort of my main thing. Um, <laughs> But the first night at there, first night I performed at Dick mm-hmm. Doherty's, um, where I bombed, and I videotaped it, and the sound didn't work. Thank God. Um, I met Dan Mintz, okay. who to this day is one of my best friends, um, and uh, and he was sort of like, you know, a, a comedy friend, but he was also in college, so we sort of just became right. brought both groups of college friends together. So for the most part, I was really hanging out in Emerson with my friends, and then I do a spot, and then I'd come home. I didn't really like hang out, hang out at at the clubs. Um, until like a, you know, of like my senior year, like Val Kappa, you know, I'd hang out oh, yeah. with, you like Dan Solman, like all, all these people, um, James Patterson, so funny, <laughs> Ben, uh, Ben Newbauer, Neub- uh, mm-hmm. who was very funny, like I was hanging out with like those guys, but I also like had this whole weird life as like a college kid, so I was just kind of in and out.
0: Did you go to the Walsh Brothers show? Up, yeah, yeah, lunch? the Walsh
1: Brothers show, I love those guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that was like my, like, that was like my year of comics, you know, that was like, My class. Did you get to do any
0: road work while you were in college or did that wait until after?
1: I would drive to a a motorcycle bar in North Haven Mm -hmm. on like every third Tuesday. (laughs) I'd get like a ride from someone and I'd go and bomb there. And that was kind of the road I was doing. And then when I was like a junior, I think, I started like getting a few colleges. I would like start booking myself doing colleges. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I started doing like the road meeting. I would start getting – I got really big into the college market.
0: Okay. Yeah. What do you remember other than bombing about those first the, – tr- the, the true road experiences where you're – Not just a one-nighter but – Oh, the – Where the, you're the, actually going out on the road.
1: Yeah. The, I remember the first club I did – I remember the first club I did was uh, was uh in Youngstown or something. In Ohio? In Ohio. Mm-hmm. um And I remember the agent who booked me was like, How much time do you have? And I was like, I don't know. Like – Maybe an hour. I do an hour at colleges. <laughs> and he was like, all right, let's just throw you into, he said, I remember, I remember the email. We're just going to throw you in the fire and see what happens. And it was just not great. I remember being on stage and just like begging for the red light. I'm like, Oh my God.
0: Wait, so were you headlining?
1: I was headlining. <laughs> yeah. Because and how ha- old were you? Oh, I was probably 21. Okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> be- because what happened, you know, especially at, during that time, mm-hmm. I was, Around that, like, junior year, I basically did the Aspen Comedy Festival. Then I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival. Then I did, like, Craig Kilborn show. And I had, like, I got agents and all these things. So, like, all of a sudden I was, like, super young, but I had, like, credits. And it just, there wasn't, like, any sort of social media or anything. So it was sort of like, hey, you got credits? You, you can go perform at a Go Bananas right now. Right. So I would just, like, get thrown out there. And then it was just, like, what what's happening? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I never, re- that's a thing. I never did the road, like, I never featured ever, you know? Wow. Ever, it's crazy. I know it, it's 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 bad. It, it didn't didn't work out uh until you know later in well, life.
0: But right, well, you did. Yeah, you did feature later because you've been on tour with like Aziz and
1: yeah, Aziz and Millen and stuff like yeah. that on, on the theaters and stuff. And I open up for them. But like that was pr- those shows were more like when I like did the big like international tour with Aziz, Aziz was mm-hmm. probably like the the only time in my life where I was really like a middle <laughs> because I was able to like kind of like get by doing these comedy clubs right. because i had a bunch of like you know i had like these mtv shows in the early 2000s and stuff like that so i was already headlining colleges and these kind of like threw me onto these comedy right. clubs
0: this young kid in a suit this young kid in a suit
1: <laughs> and people were like what are you even talking about and i was like i don't know you want to buy a cd but you <laughs> never
0: really had that middle act in a comedy club no experience i never did
1: i never did and i probably i definitely needed to but, uh, I went right to, um, I went right to that college market. And then, right. and then I was doing the colleges so much that at that time also the colleges were paying better than comedy clubs. So I was just sort of like sticking to the comedy, cl- to colleges. Cause I was sort of like, I'm, I'm into the colleges. I was the same age as college students. So I would like, right. you know, destroy at these colleges. And it was like great. And I could do an hour or more there because I would just like say whatever. I'd be like, I'd do jokes about RAs for, for <laughs> ever.
0: And I would just, people would be loving it. Wait a second. So you, uh, I don't mean to get stuck in this, but you weren't a feature. Yeah. If you're already headlining at 21, did you ever have a day job? I've never had a day job. (laughs)
1: I've never had a day job. I worked at The Gap. What about paying the dues? (laughs) I paid the dues. What dues? I paid the dues. You went Uh, to Emerson? I went to Emerson. Come on. I bombed. I bombed. (laughs) I paid dues in in bombing. Okay. I worked at The Gap.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, the feature act was some, like, 50 year old who was, like, <laughs> pissed off. Oh, yeah. I got to open for this kid who's bombing? I, I, know, What's this I about? know. Um, no,
1: uh, the, uh, I worked at The Gap mm-hmm. in Boston and I worked at the California Pizza Kitchen in Boston for okay. a, a little bit. And then I remember quitting California Pizza Kitchen because I got my Starbucks show going and I was like, you know what? Keep your money. I'm going <laughs> to go do some Starbucks shows and live off of that. Wow. And then did you go straight out to LA? I went, I, yeah, I graduated, uh, and then I moved to LA in 2003. Okay. So what's funny is right now, like, the past, like, couple years, I've had, I've been writing on sitcoms, you know? Right. right now. So yeah, you're, you're working on the Goldbergs now. i work working on the Goldbergs now. now. And, uh, my first, like, full-time sitcom writing job was on Whitney sitcom, Whitney. And that was the first time I actually had a day job, and I was like, "Oh, this is what it's like to have a day job—like <laughs> office politics, people that are terrible, be somewhere snacks, in the morning, be somewhere in the morning." So it was, it was very, it was really weird for me to transition into being like. So that first year on Whitney show, mm-hmm. I would like leave all the time, and I'd be like, "Hey Whitney, I'm gonna like go do uh this 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 corporate show for Red Bull in Orlando for three days," and she'd be like, "Okay." And then I started getting the sense that everyone was like, "Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you can't just leave." One time, this one writer said. Can we all have like two jobs? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how it works. <laughs> so now, um, you know, uh, especially with the, with after Whitney's show, I worked on John Mulaney's sitcom. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course, like I knew them both. So right. it was, it was great. But I, when I started working on John's show, I was like, oh, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be like, take this very seriously. And now that I'm working at the Goldbergs, like I was just hired as like a funny writer. I wasn't hired because I know him, you know? Right. So, uh, so or, I have to or read.
0: even that you know the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm born '81. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> you have so, vague memories. So that being said, I have to sort of like you know be very focused. Luckily, mm-hmm. he's super cool and like he knows the special's a big deal. So he's like, "Yeah, yeah go promote the special," but then come back here and don't leave.
0: <laughs> what else did you learn from that first writing gig with Whitney?
1: Um, I learned that like it's very hard to make good television, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just sort of watching the whole thing come together like Whitney's show when it got picked up was like the hot pilot that year and she was able to hire like the best writers like available mm-hmm. you know and there's just like in comedy like on the writing side of everything there's like uh, like hot writers and like great writers and guys who are like the best at like the story breaking and like the funniest joke writers and all that kind of stuff and she was able to get all of that like that writing staff was amazing and uh and it was still very difficult because as soon as those billboards came out and people hated the show it right. was like over and one of the writers, this guy John Quaynton, worked on Joey, mm-hmm. and that was, that was a total train wreck. Right, show. the
0: spin-off from Friends. Yeah, exactly.
1: And he said that once Joey started being like, um, there was like posters on like the dry cleaner sheets mm-hmm. about Joey, and he's like, that's when the show was over. And, and during the time, you know, like when you're on the show and, you know, you go to these table reads and especially multicam, like, you know, it's like stand-up, like you're making a joke, you're getting the instant gratification of laughter, and you're like feeling like it is, it's killing. So we had all these funny writers and we had really good actors and, you know, Crystalia, Whitney, they were so funny together and and it was still like, oh no, it's very hard. Even when you have everything you think is going to work out, it's still like very hard. And what's even funnier is that show looking back was getting like a 1-6 rating and it was canceled. And like today, that would be like a hit.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> did you, did you thrive on the, the aspect of multi where, where they tape the scene in front of the audience and then they, go and they immediate you immediately have to punch it up yeah i love to do it again yeah. with a different take
1: yeah i really liked uh I, that was that's like my favorite part about writing for those shows because it is like very much like stand-up or you know just like you're just rank jokes you know multicam right. is a lot more joke 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 so you'd be behind the monitor and if joke didn't work i remember just like running up to to chris in a scene and like pitching him out like a whole monologue and then him just like doing it right away and it being like killing and everyone's like oh it's so great you know (laughs) so that that was that's very fun exciting
0: you talk about how looking back Whitney with the 1.6 would be a hit Whitney was also at least two seasons yeah so (laughs) so uh, what was your experience like going from that to working with Mulaney yeah, well what's, what's great was, so here, what, <laughs> the Whitney thing was, the show got picked up for 22 episodes, right. and people were like
1: happy, but it was still like very crazy, and it was like, I'm super close with her, so she used to call me like her mole, because mm-hmm. it was like, it's very hard to star in a sitcom and write the sitcom and be the person who has to make all the decisions. It's like the hardest job ever and it's very stressful and, you know, especially being a woman, it's like, you you know, Whitney's a very strong person right. but, like, after a while, like, it gets to you, you know, people tweeting at you and all those fucking notes about right. your life and how you look and all shit.
0: And she had another show, Two Broke Girls, which is still on. Still on, yeah. But that wasn't, with her face front and center, exactly and, uh, on the billboards front and center. Yeah,
1: so it was like pretty m- so hectic, but then it got picked up for second season. Then she fired everyone except for me and this writer, Teresa Mulligan. So <laughs> then we come back <laughs> to the show, and it's like, okay, now we think we know gonna, how it's going to go. We have like they're they confident, Whitney. We're like on a really good schedule. We have more super funny new writers, and everything's everything's great. And then canceled because she was doing a talk show at the same time. So that right. was this crazy thing where but like I mean it. Love You Mean It, where we would be like writing a sitcom and then going to the, and that would go with talk show set. It was just like totally bananas, but it was two seasons. And then I went on John's show, um, which was, you know, still like the most fun I've ever had. Like that, that room, we were like just constantly just dying laughing, you know, um, obviously John probably not as much as we were, <laughs> but, but it when it was just very, very fun. Right. And the weird thing about that show is we were working on that show in a bubble because, It was – we worked on it for NBC. It didn't get picked up. Then it went to Fox, immediately picked up for six episodes. Then while we were working on it, it was picked up for another ten episodes. Right. But it wasn't airing until October, and we were working like in December. You know, it was like – uh, it was – A long lag time. A long – a year of working on it. And, you know, obviously he's like the funniest comedian. So the show is – the show we were thinking was like so fun. We would like – you know, people were very excited about the show, and so are we, and we thought we were like doing some amazing things, you know, and with him in charge, it was like, oh, right. this is great. You got like, him, you got Martin Short. Martin Short, I mean, the writers, we had like Dan Mintz was a writer, yeah. America Sawyer, I mean, Carrie Dornetto, like, there were just so many great. Uh, you had Lauren behind it? Yeah, Ju- uh, Julie Klausner, yeah. you know, like, it was like, there were some like hilarious people, and um, John Pollock and all these people, and and we were just, like, making it, and we were so excited, and then it was the kind of thing where we did a big show. I don't know if you were there, but we did, like, a big Mulaney, like, live, where, like, the writer performed with him at Gramercy. Oh, no, I missed It was a big show we did in New York, and he was on The nice Show that day, and, uh, and like, the show, we were basically done. We had, like, three more episodes or something to shoot, two more episodes, and the show came out, and then, like, it basically came out, and, and no one really watched it, and then the, rain was, the the reviews were bad, and then it was done. So it was the first time where I was, like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. <laughs> I am so wrong about everything. This was, like, what I thought was the funniest shit ever, and now people are literally drilling down our offices as we're, like, packing up our shit to bring in uh, whatever that uh, Cedric the Entertainer sitcom is for TV land. They're like, we're moving in Cedric. We're like, oh, God. Sol-
0: soul man. Soul man. <laughs> soul man. Mm. Yeah. So that was rough. In the meantime, like, you're getting married. You're starting to have kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got married right before that and I uh, my son three years ago and I have a daughter and it's it's been it's, I'm like a full adult it doesn't feel I, like I am I said this to my son the other day I was like hanging out with him in the kitchen and I was like it's so weird that you're my kid he's like what do you mean and I was like "Ah, oh, you don't get it
0: <laughs> would you ever uh actually let me before I ask did you Mullaney ever bond over the fact that he also got involved in improv and comedy classes when he was a kid
1: oh yeah yeah we uh, we call ourselves showbiz kids <laughs> Like it's all we've ever known, all we've ever wanted. That's so weird. So and yet you can't relate to an eighteen year old comedian. <laughs> no, no. I can't relate to an eighteen year old. Okay. I could respect an eighteen mm-hmm. year old comedian okay. um and them doing doing it for mm-hmm. sure. Like you have to. I think that was the best thing I ever did. I mean, like I go to comedy club, you know, just doing spots around town, like you see people who are like starting, you know, people start like at thirty five, you know, or whatever. And it's just like I feel so grateful that I did that. So young, just because I learned so much and my circle of friends are just like my comedians, you know?
0: Would you ever, uh, put your, your own kids into improv class? Oh yeah. For sure. At nine?
1: If they want to do it. I was like into the idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they want to do
0: it. Yeah, for sure. Does it seem like they might have interests? Even at three? Oh, I think, I think so.
1: <laughs> I think <laughs> Abe
0: Levy is definitely a comedian. <laughs> He's ready to go. Um, you know, in, in working on these like global theater tours, what kind of advice have you been able to, to glean from the likes of Aziz or or John or Whitney? Um, I feel like with those, with those guys, like
1: they just have, they just are constantly writing, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, like the work ethic of, um, them is just like incredible, you know, like, especially like with, um. I remember we'd do a show, I'd do a show with the Aziz and we'd be like flying back somewhere and he would always be listening to his act from the night before and like rewriting it. And I was like, oh man, I really should do that. But I think I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and same with John. Like I was talking to John. I was like uh, – before I – I was like, oh man, I feel like I'm going to change so much of the special. And he's like, oh, I was changing it uh, up until tape night. And I was like, OK. And that's kind of what I did. Like I approached this special – more as like I feel like I use my writing skills mm-hmm. more than I ever had like in my stand-up where I was like with sitcoms you're constantly rewriting and rewriting and writing and I felt like with my special I was just constantly like changing jokes and rewriting jokes and flipping it around and just gutting it every night
0: so and uh are you able to uh maintain cordial relations with the rest of the writers in the Goldbergs room oh for sure <laughs> or are they like what where is Dan? He's in New York promoting his special. Yeah, yeah,
1: no. I think luckily, like, it started off where you know we in, during pre-production. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm gonna go and um, do some shows, prepare for my special. And mm-hmm. Adam Goldberg, the creator and the right. producer, like, is luckily like into my stand-up and like he had my album and stuff when okay. I when I met him. So he thinks it's pretty cool. Oh, nice. So I think I think if you're gonna leave to be like, hey, I'm gonna go work on another sitcom for a couple right. days, he would be like, hey, fuck you. But, <laughs> But good luck
0: with this. I teased him online during the first season of The Goldbergs about how, even within any given episode, what year of the 1980s can be drastically different.
1: Oh, yeah. There'll be an A story about Live Aid, you know, and a B story about, I don't know, something that happened in '80. you know? Like, it's like, we're always doing that, but he always says, it's 1980-something. Right. And if we sort of were trying to go, like, chronological, it'd be insane. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. There's already, like... I mean, we're in season four, so it's it's hard to come up with stories. So you just got to be able to go from anywhere. Have you pitched 80s. anything from your own
0: 1980s experiences yet?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I just wrote an episode. I wrote or the Hanukkah episode. Okay. That I guess I can't talk too much about it. Right. But uh, there's like a, a moment in in the episode that fully happened for me about when going to a movie. But I realize I can't say anything right. except that it's a uh, –
0: do you have the home footage from that? Because I know Adam likes to do that at the... Oh, I don't have... The, all the home footage in the bumpers. is his. It's all his. So it's it
1: truly needs to, like... A story for the Goldbergs needs to line up with his life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't really... I can't pitch a story about Adam starting to stand-up. <laughs> Even though I've pitched it, like, five times. I'm like, come on! They're like, no, we did an Andrew Rice Clay episode. And I was like, yeah, but we should do an A&E Evening at the Improv episode! <laughs> That's
0: totally. I easy. think
1: that'd be so cool. I wanted to start my special actually. Like, I had the idea of the intro being like oh. me in the '80s and Bud Freeman introducing me. That'd be um,
0: nice. But uh, they didn't get around to doing it. Now, that's that's <laughs> for the next one. For the next special, yeah, yeah. So, if you do run into an 18-year-old would-be comedian, yeah, what's
1: what do you tell them? I would say just keep on doing comedy mm-hmm. and don't worry about anything else. Because one I got this advice a while ago, and it's so true. It's like. And you know this from us being around for so long. It's like funny people stand out. You know, there's no one who's like crushing anywhere in the country. Like there's no one who is so, so funny that no one knows. You know, like eventually comedy I mean, comedy's bigger now, but it's not big enough where like if you're funny, people find out who you are. And I think like that's the key. Like just be funny. There's so many ways now that people are like trying to like become like the Twitter guy and social media and all this stuff. Right. And it's like if you are a funny stand up comedian, like you just rise the top and just people like will find you (laughs) well uh, well
0: i'm glad that uh, you found me
1: yeah (laughs) i'm glad that you found me and we're back together
0: (laughs) hooray (laughs) so thank you so much for sitting down i really appreciate it dan oh no thank you all right bye this episode of the comics comic presents last things first